0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: Hello, I'm Matt Ford, and welcome to a podcasted version of my show, Unspun, which is on Dave every Wednesday at 10pm. This show features our analysis from the budget, which happened... We brought... Well, we recorded this before Hammond performed his humiliating U-turn climb-down. So, um... Bear in mind that when you hear the national insurance bit, and it also features an interview with Harriet Harman, Labour's former deputy leader, who has an incredible story about Robin Cook. Hello, Matt Ford. Welcome to Unspun, the show that tests the theory that laughing about global chaos is cheaper than therapy. It's been another busy week. George Galloway has signed a publishing deal to write children's books. They're about an ethical pirate called Red Maluka. (laughs) Galloway has denied that the character is based on him and has already finished the first three. Red Maluka forms his own breakaway party, Red Maluka pretends to be a cat, and Red Maluka salutes your courage, your strength and your indefatigability. (laughs) According to WikiLeaks, the CIA can spy on us through our TVs, which is ridiculous. Isn't it, Adrian? Put your trousers on, mate. The blinds are open. (laughs) In tonight's packed show, our budget analysis will let you know how badly you've been screwed. We'll get a detailed policy briefing on how awful America's healthcare system is going to get, and I'll be joined by one of Labour's biggest hitters, their former deputy leader, Harriet Harman. As always, I'm joined by my house band of real MPs, the nation's heartthrobs, a.k.a. the election section. It's MP4! (laughs) Well, fellas, we are in an interesting situation, because tonight, at the moment, it's MP3. Because you're a band of serving MPs, there was always a risk that if there was a late vote in Parliament, one of you wouldn't be able to get here. Pete Wishart, the SNP member of the band, is in Parliament. What's he voting on? He's gone independent. (laughs) (laughs) So Pete, hopefully, is going to show up at some point. Well, if you can believe anything an SNP MP tells you, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, hopefully people show up at some point. (laughs) Last week saw one of the most exciting days of the political calendar. Budget day! People took the day off. (laughs) All of you or none of you, really. People took the day off, the streets fell silent, and the nation gathered around the TV sets to see what was on the other side. The Chancellor, Philip Hammond, has presented his first budget, promising to build a brighter future. Saving for a rainy day, Chancellor.
2: Coming out for his first day holding the box. Less broad smile, more grin and bear it. Grinning
1: and bearing it, Chancellor. Grinning and bearing it, Chancellor. (laughs) you just stood in the street getting yelled at. (laughs) You're a minute away from just going, Oi, over here, you tosser. (laughs) Hammond's apparent lack of charisma earned him the ironic nickname Box Office Phil. Before presenting his first budget, he tried to rebrand himself from a charismatic black hole to a dedicated numbers guy with a cool new nickname. Spreadsheet Phil. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you're going to give yourself a new nickname, though, make sure people can pronounce it. So Isabel, do you agree this is basically Spreadsheet Phil or Spreadsheet Phil? Robinson, there, arguably getting the nickname right. <laughs> Not only was this the Chancellor's first budget, it was Theresa May's first opportunity to set the economic tone of her premiership. So, what was the big story? Self employed workers earning more than £16,000 a year will face an increase in national insurance payments to bring them closer into line with employed people. This was the most controversial element of the budget. The advantage of raising national insurance is that you can put up tax without having to use the word tax. It's a controversial move because it breaks a promise from the 2015 Conservative Manifesto. Commit to no increases in VAT, national insurance contributions, or income tax. The man who made the promise less than two years ago, David Cameron, was at a memorial service on Budget Day. Now, there's no sound on this clip, but lip-reading experts believe he's saying something about manifestos and stupid. making a manifesto promise, I mean, how stupid is that? (laughs) Almost as stupid as calling a referendum you couldn't win. (laughs) If only Pete was here. (laughs) The context of our immediate economic future is, of course, our withdrawal from the EU. This was the first budget since the referendum, but the Chancellor barely mentioned Brexit, which is a bit like playing I Spy with the captain of the Titanic and never saying something beginning with I. It's here, ladies and gentlemen. That parliament's just so inconvenient, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a comedy show. We were all very nice about you in your absence. <laughs> <laughs> the he, he's like Candyman. Say referendum three times, and he just appears. <laughs> <laughs> As always on Budget Day, the media went berserk, trying to come up with interesting angles to bring the figures to life. Reporting on alcohol duty, rising in line with inflation, or maybe because she happened to be there anyway, Sky News featured Kay Burley in an off-licence.
2: You'll know if you've been watching Sky that there's no uh, additional duty on alcohol, so I'm just going to pick up a couple here in this, um, convenience store.
1: Just a couple?
2: Can I have these? Have you got any gin?
1: Oh, the biggest. The biggest It's fine. it's up to midday. So, if you could bring
2: all this up, somebody, that would be great, and we might as well have
0: another
2: bottle of gin while we're at it. <laughs> might
1: as well have another bottle of gin while we're at it. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, Kay! <laughs> After the off-licence, Kay raised questions about what had happened to all that booze when she tried to interview a cat.
2: This chap here, hello. We were here yesterday, and you really, really, really didn't like me, did you?
1: Uh, But now you're my best mate. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, what everyone really wants to know on Budget Day is, have I been screwed? So, have you been screwed? It's time to find out in our special budget feature, Who's Screwed? (laughs) First up, let's take an unmarried couple in their 30s with no children. You know, annoying people. (laughs) Quite successful, no kids, loads of disposable income. If one of them earns £50,000 a year, and the other earns £45,000 a year, their tax bill will fall, thanks to the changes in national insurance and income tax. They are £626 a year better off, meaning that they are not screwed. (laughs) But annoyingly, they'll probably waste it on a holiday they got cheap at the last minute, which means that friends of these people will never hear the end of how great Marrakesh is at this time of year, (laughs) which means that they are screwed. £1 billion has been released for new free schools, some of which will be Theresa May's new grammar schools. The government has denied that the new grammars will disadvantage lower-income students and has allocated £20 million to provide them with free transport to selective schools, which will help clearly mark them out as poor on their first day, (laughs) allowing them to be bullied by spoiled middle-class kids whose smug parents can now buy a bigger car because they don't have to go private anymore. Sorry, kids, you're screwed. The new sugar tax will see an additional levy of up to 24p per litre. A can of Coke will go up by eight pence. Fewer fizzy drinks around means fewer spillages, And as we know, there'll be less sugar in those spillages. Which means that one of the big losers from this year's budget are wasps. (laughs) They're screwed. (laughs) Moving on to the elderly. A single pensioner existing purely on the old state pension will currently get £6,360 a year. The increase in the state pension means she'll get a whopping £3 extra a week! <laughs> <laughs> Dalla-dalla bill, yo! <laughs> Making an annual increase of £156. <laughs> Meaning she is not screwed. In previous years, she may have given this money to her grandchildren, but because she voted leaving the referendum, her grandchildren have disowned her. <laughs> She's going to leave that money lying around the house, which means that another of this budget's winners are confidence tricksters posing as the gas man. (laughs) (laughs) So, there it is. Who is and who isn't screwed? well Budgets are
3: uh, huge events in the political calendar. Kev, do you enjoy Budget Day? I do. It's a very difficult gig for the Leader of the Opposition because they don't know what's in the budget and they've got to respond immediately. But the thing that always gets me are these economic forecasts, which are always wrong from the previous year. It's a, it's a, sort of, it's a kind of intellectual astrology, really, economic <laughs> forecasting. And I used to teach economics and I remember I put the kids in a competition once Really disappointed when they came about 50th in it, until I found out that the panel of economic experts from the bank that ran the competition had come 150th.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
1: Now it's time for my special guest. She's a feminist icon and former deputy leader of the Labour Party. It's Harriet Harman.
2: I thought it was going to be Donald Trump, and you have been trying to hold my hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, if he visits, if he does visit uh,
1: Parliament, would you, would you go and watch him speak?
2: Oh, definitely not. In any way, the Speaker's banned him. You know, we were all absolutely astonished. We were all sitting there dozing with the Speaker doing his procedural thing, and he suddenly said, and I'm not going to let him come, and we were like, whoa, this is, you know, excellent. So he if... said, "And no, I'm not going to let him come to the House of Lords, either. We go, oh, my God, and then he said... And he's a misogynist and an Islamophobe. but we were like, my God, you know, the speaker's really doing it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> One of the things that we mentioned briefly earlier was, was this story that apparently you were delivering a speech and it was being changed on the autocue by Gordon Brown. Is that mm, true?
2: Yeah. Well, we had this very difficult policy around pensions and Gordon and I'd been working on it when he was Shadow Chancellor and I was his deputy. And... I went up onto the stage, Labour Party conference, to sit there, ready for my speech to be delivered, having worked it all out, and then it was put onto the auto queue. And as I started reading the speech, I thought, these are not my words, you know? (laughs) And... But there's nothing you can do about it. You have to keep reading it. And I went backstage and said, what the hell happened to my words? And they said... Gordon altered it, and uh, I mean, he was trying to be helpful because he felt he knew what he wanted me to say more than <laughs> what I wanted to say. I mean, it was really well intentioned, but I've never ever used auto cues again. I've got trust issues now with <laughs> auto cues.
1: You uh, sometimes had to stand in for him in, in Parliament uh, doing prime minister's questions, where you faced the formidable William Hague, and they were some of the best clashes that we've seen. There haven't really been exchanges like. Harman versus Haig. Uh, since then, was that something you enjoyed? or It must be quite difficult going up against a, a, an adversary like him.
2: Well, William Haig had always been very good at Prime Minister's questions, not so good at winning votes in the country, but he had been very good at Prime Minister's questions and often got the better of Tony Blair in Prime Minister's questions. So, All the press and everybody was predicting, when I had to stand in for Gordon Brown at Prime Minister's questions, that he would wipe the floor with me. And I thought that was probably absolutely true. So I was really shaking in my shoes. And, you know, then, you know, it was just the case that I felt everybody behind me, all the Labour MPs, would be wanting me to do well. And so I couldn't really just fall on my face. And what an embarrassment it would be for my mother and all the (laughs) Labour members (laughs) Members around in the country and above all for women, so I thought my god I've got to actually step up and really nail this so um, It was a bit like sort of uh, really eating red meat and Storming in and doing it and I think I just sort of took him by surprise really and he started having a go about the Labour Party being hopeless on women and there was obviously a considerable amount of truth in that, however, I was the wrong person for him to have that go at, so uh, I turned it round.
1: And would you ever talk to each other informally? Would he ever ring you up and go, Harriet, I just want to say... <laughs> ..that although we have our harsh contentions, <clears throat> it is an honour to speak to your honour, wouldn't That's more David Frost than uh, <laughs> <laughs> what you make. But um, was there ever that, that informal not channel? Not really.
2: I've always felt very uh, tribal and I'm a Labour Party person because I can't stand the Tories, so the last thing I would want to be doing is chumming up with them in the House of Commons. You know, I was there to be, like, getting rid of them rather than, you know, hanging out with them.
1: Yeah. Kev, Ian, how do you feel about chumming up with Tories?
3: no <laughs> 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 idea. So yeah, good good idea. We terrible. can't stand Greg. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. there's oh, <laughs> <I that's laughs> Greg. <laughs> like the current law. I was actually one of the first supporters of Harriet for the deputy leadership actually because uh, I'd worked with her as a a government whip when she was uh, a minister with Charlie Faulkner as well and I just thought, you know, she had incredible heart and was someone worth supporting uh, after all the campaigns she's run over the years. So, uh, uh, you know, I was really delighted when she became deputy leader of the party.
2: He was the Welsh. He was led the Welsh tribes. In <laughs> we say, that he, he was the Welsh one. Yes. yes. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Kev, yeah.
1: <laughs> Um so Kevin was effectively an organizer for your
2: He did well. He was like, you know, know, once people were, oh, he's supporting her. Perhaps she's not so awful after all. <laughs> so uh, no, it was a good. Thank you, Kevin.
1: Yeah. Uh, you alluded to it there, but uh, not just the Labour Party's issue with women, but there's an issue, um, really, with with British politics and women. There's not enough representation. We've never had a female leader of the Labour Party. And one of the stories in your book, which uh, is astonishing, is a story where you decide, instead of um, being in the Commons with Robin Cook, who you were deputy to in a particular brief, you're going to take your children to the cinema instead. Um, And it's, firstly, the conflict about having your priorities. But then the, the way this story unfolds is is quite remarkable.
2: Mm, well, this was some time ago, and I hope this sort of thing wouldn't happen now. Probably would. Um, so, because I felt so guilty about being an absolutely terrible failing mother, as well as being a terrible failing MP, because I was trying to do both, and it was really, really difficult, and feeling very full of maternal anguish, um, I had this thing that if I said to the kids that I would do something with them, that I would not let them down, I absolutely would do that. And so I'd arranged to take my son to the Bromley Odeon to see the film called The Bear, which was the half-term film. And um, But horror of horrors, just as I was about to leave the house, the phone rang with the whip saying, you've got to come into the House of Commons immediately because Robin Cook, who was my boss and the Shadow Health Secretary, was snowed up in Edinburgh... And the government had called an urgent statement on the ambulance dispute and you've got to be there as Robin's deputy speaking up for the ambulance folk and slagging off the government and you've got to come in immediately. Um, And all these messages were coming in and I said to my office, just tell them you, you don't know where I am. Um, because I just thought, I have got to go to the bromley <laughs> I just can't go to the House of Commons. So, anyway, I went to the, to the bromley Odeon feeling really tense with my pager in the olden days in my handbag, rumbling and rumbling. Anyway, the bear, I don't know whether any of you can remember that film. So it's like bears in Japan, and it's live bears. And the, the daddy bear starts shagging the mummy bear. <laughs> and... The children thought that he was attacking her. So they started to weep and wail and everything, and I was getting more and more stressed. And in the end, the boulders fall off the top of the cliff and stows in the mummy bear's head, and she does actually die. So they were absolutely crying their eyes out. So it was not going well at all. So I went back into the car and back home, and it was like all hell was breaking loose, and there was this huge message from Robin Cook, see me in my office. <laughs> Now And I thought, well, this is it. You know, this is the moment at which everybody says, see, you can't trust a woman in politics. You know, you need her to be there and she won't be because she can't hack it in politics. And I would be sacked and it would all be humiliation and I just... It was just terrible. So I went into Robin Cook's office and he was a really, really nice boss, but he was crimson in the face. And he said, where were you? And the words in the Bromley Odeon. I just could not get them out of my mouth. I couldn't. So I said, I was not available. And then suddenly, his eyes went from fury to twinkling glee. And he said, ah. Well, in that case, we'll say no more about it. (laughs) But I realized, that he thought I was having an affair. And instead of fury, it was comradely approval, (laughs) you know. And he did and never say anything more about it, but I think he must have told the whips because they smiled warmly at me. (laughs) And that was not usual. But that really taught me that, you know, if if it had been being in the Bromley Odeon, that would have been a sacking offence. to be having an affair was just to be one of the gang. <laughs> I mean, it was awful, really. That's awful.
1: The only reason Kev supported you. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: he was only a child at the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what's the future for you? Maybe writing more books? I saw you on Loose Women uh, recently. Would you, would you join the cast permanently?
2: Um, I think... I do like Loose Women, actually. <laughs> it's a great... It's a good show. Um... Uh, I don't think I'll be writing any more books, but it was a lovely experience because basically um, you get the last word every single time. <laughs> I definitely. I mean, I was so against uh, politicians writing their memoirs. The, the men used to write their, their memoirs all the time, m- mostly because I would immediately look at the photographs in the middle. And see absolutely no photographs of myself. Um, so the only way I was going to get photographs of myself in a memoirs is to write my own. <laughs> so I did. And I, honestly, every single page I mentioned. Every <laughs> single one. And um, so I don't have that thing of looking down the index, H, hoping that Tony Blair might mention me or Gordon Brown mention me in his memoirs. And, you know, you just go straight through and it's not there. Or possibly... Harmon sacking. You know, might be <laughs> um, so, no, you can have, you know, you can you can star in your own memoirs, definitely. I mean, I haven't got any pictures of myself and Angelina Jolie. I probably should have photoshopped one of us together <laughs> or something, but.
1: No, you should just good. do the whole index of your book, just Harman, 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 Harman. Yeah, and
2: harm. you know, Harman triumph, Harman succeeds, you know. <laughs> it's only me that is going to write that, so. <laughs>
1: Harriet, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, Harriet Harman. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> That's all we've got time for this week. Thanks once again to Harriet Harmon. And as always, here to play us out. It's the Right Honourables of Rock and Roll, MP4. I'm <laughs> best in life are free. <laughs> but I'm as good in a I see. He watch your money. Well, there you go, that was a podcasted version of Unspun, which you can catch every Wednesday at 10 p.m. on Dave. You can also catch up online at UKTV Play if you haven't seen it yet. And you can come and see the show recorded as well at live in London at TVrecordings.com.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have Buttery Soft Cashmere sweater starting at $50